Isn't there a wonderful reassurance in knowing that God knows? Think about it. God knows. I had one of our members text me, I guess, about 1030 or <clears throat> maybe 11 o'clock last night. I can't recall. And uh, they said, Pastor, I'll be honest, I'm a little scared. And I said, it's okay. Look, you're not alone. There's a lot of people scared right now, not just because of the storm, uh, because of all the other things going on in the world. Can I tell you what a wonderful reassurance it is to be able to give to people that not only does God know, uh, that God can handle it. You look at that great big old storm out there in the Gulf right now, and it's huge. It's as big as our state is, and how frightening that is, seeing it move toward us. And thank the Lord, we're further north than some are this morning. And just a little while, there would be some folks going through some very frightening times. But how reassuring to know that our God, if you've put your faith and trust in the same God that I have, he can handle this. And even though our hearts may be heavy or a little worried or fearful this morning or just maybe a hair bit concerned, uh, God knows. And if it matters to us, it does matter to our father. I'm a dad, and I know when things bother my daughter, they bother me. She came out of the bathroom in my office this morning. She probably won't want me to share this, but I am, and it's just the price of being the preacher's kid. I had to live through that myself, so I'm passing it along to her. And she came out this morning. She just looked frustrated. I said, what's the matter, bud? She usually looks pretty happy, you know, has a good look on her face. And I said, what's the matter? She said, I just can't get my hair the way I want it. And I says, well, bud, look. I'd help you if I could. I says, but I'm the least guy that you want to be talking to about getting your hair right. I said, you don't need to be getting hair advice from somebody who can't hold on to theirs, okay? I said, go talk to mom. Now, as much as I wanted to help her, uh, I'm not the guy to be asking about how to get her hair right as much as I wanted to. But boy, aren't you glad that when we have problems in this life and worries and concerns, not only does our father know, he has the answer. And I think he's just waiting for us to ask some questions. He wants us to come to him. It's good to see you here today. And I know I say that a lot lately, but it really is good to see you. I mean, with my eyes, it's good to see you. Good to have our people tuning in. I checked my phone just a moment ago. No, I was not checking the score in a ball game. I like to look and see how many of our folks are tuning in so I can say hey to them. It's good to see you and see our folks gathering together this morning on a special morning. I know, look, I know it's a different Heritage Sunday, but it almost makes it a little more special, doesn't it? That in difficult times, Central Baptist Church, not this building, but Central Baptist Church is still going to gather together and worship the Lord to seek to hear from Him and to do His will in the service. And sometimes when it's tough, it makes it a little bit more special, doesn't it? And so it is good to see you here on our Heritage Sunday. What a privilege it is for us to be a part of Central Baptist Church. To be a part of the great privilege and opportunity that God has given us to be here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi now for 72 years. Now look, I've only been here for about two, little, almost two and a half years. Can I tell you, it's still a privilege. It's still a privilege. I hope you never, ever lose sight of the privilege it is to be a part of this wonderful church. I'm talking about this building. This building could go away in the next few hours, but the church will still be here. What a privilege it is to be a part of that. And I hope this morning God will help us see that privilege a little bit in the message and then do our part to help preserve that heritage for those that are coming behind us. Let's take out our Bibles this morning. Turn to the Old Testament. Joshua chapter number 4. And I just want you to remain seated this morning. Joshua chapter number 4. I think most of you have probably either heard, saw on social media, or got the message through the app. Okay, If you haven't got the church app yet, I want you to encourage you to get that. That's how we send messages just to our church family. And we sent out the message that after last night met with our deacons, or spoke with our deacons, uh, spoke with our staff, spoke with some of our men that were here for prayer meeting last night. And uh, we all concluded for the best interest of our church, we will not be meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. And so if you show up in the midst of that storm, I appreciate your moxie, but I'll not be here, okay? So be sure you jot that down. Joshua chapter number 4. We're actually going to look at a few things in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4. Let's start in chapter 4, jump into the message, and we'll refer back to Joshua chapter 3. Wonderful, wonderful account here. Probably one of my top five in all of Scripture of things that God did. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. We're about to read where... The children of Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, are about to cross over or cross through Jordan on their way to the promised land. The Bible says, and it came to pass, verse 1, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. 
And Joshua called the twelve men who he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you up every man uh, every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Watch verse 6. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones, the Bible says, shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to gather together, Lord, both in this building and those that are watching, Lord, in their homes today. Lord, thank you for the privilege to be able to come at least for a little while today before the storm gets here. And I pray that you'd help us today. Speak to our hearts through your word. Help us, Father, Lord, to understand the truth and the need for a godly heritage. Thank you for the one we have here. Thank you for the many members who've been here for decades, Father, and been a part of that heritage. Help us resolve that, Lord, we're going to be a part of it in the future, that our children will be able to come and have this wonderful place to hear your word preached and to serve you. Father, we do pray, especially today, for those in the path of this storm. Lord, we will probably be safe from this personally, but there's others who will take a direct hit from this. Be with them today. I pray you'd spare life, keep a hedge about them, and I pray you'd be glorified as we just read about what you did then through what you'll do today in protecting those that are in the path of this, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we just read the conclusion of what God did at Jordan. Wonderful, wonderful account. You need to go back and read all of exactly what God did, but as they're marching toward the promised land, not long going to be at Jericho, uh, they come to the swollen rivers, uh, the swollen waters of the River Jordan. When they get there, obviously, there's no giant bridge or a tunnel like we have in today's world. So somehow they've got to get from one side to the other, and God knew what he was about to do. Uh, if you'll look down in verse number 5 of chapter 3, God tells Joshua this, Sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua's telling the people, listen, I want you to go, go back to your tents, make sure you're right with God, get clean, get sanctified, because God's going to do something wonderful tomorrow. You read this entire account where they go and tell the people that, listen, I want you to stay in your tents, stay in your tents. But when you see the officers coming through and carrying the ark, the priests are carrying that ark, to leave your tent and follow behind as the priests go into the waters of Jordan. The Bible says that when their feet would become uh, wet right there in the water's edge, that God was going to split the Jordan River in half. The Bible says that one side stood up in a heap and the other side stood up in a heap. And just like the Red Sea, the Bible says God led them across on dry land. Now, once again, I told you many times before, I hope when we get to heaven, they have some kind of a jumbotron where we can go back and rewatch this happen because that had to have been amazing. But here's what God does. God says... After this great victory, all right, after this great victory of what he had did and shown himself mighty and shown them wonders, he said, there's something I want to do. Now, this is very, very important. Before moving on, now, I'll be honest with you. If I just saw what they saw, I'd have been celebrating, okay? Now, I'll be honest. I probably wouldn't have walked through there. I would have ran, you know, just in case one of the guys I was walking with, you know, maybe they lost their faith and thought something bad, and the waters come in and crush all of them like the Egyptians. So I probably would have ran. But when I got on the other side, I'd have been excited. I'd have been looking forward to just moving on. But God says this. Watch this. Before you move on, there's something important that I need you to do. God says, we just read it in chapter number four. He says, I want you to go back and I want you to take stones out of the midst of Jordan where the, the feet of the priest stood and I want you to carry them out and when you get where you're going to lodge tonight, I want you to set them up there as a memorial. Now folks, this is very, very important. Why was he doing this? Look down in chapter four to verse number six. He says, before you move on, I want you to build this memorial of what I did. Why? Verse 6 says that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean you by these stones? And verse 7 says that's when you're going to tell them exactly what God did. Now, here's what we need to see this morning in the introduction before we get into the points. I'm going to try to have you home by one, okay? Uh, Mima says, have you home by one. So I'm going to try to have you home by one, okay? I'm just going to try to do what they want us to do today and keep you safe. But we need to understand this. God says, before you move on with your future, 
Before you move on pursuing the promises of God, before you move on from this great victory, I want you to leave something here for those that are going to come behind you. Notice this, verse 6. These stones were not for the people that piled them up. These stones were for the people, for the children, that were going to come behind them. Now, do you know it's easy to get caught up in the moment? Have you ever got caught up in the moment, got excited about something, kind of got tunnel vision about something, and you're going to one thing, and you totally overlook something else? Now, folks, it's easy for us this morning to get excited about where we're heading in our life. I get tunnel vision all the time. It's easy this morning for us to get tunnel vision in our careers. It really is. It's easy to get tunnel vision in our ambitions and our desires in life. Now, look, if I was them, I would be, listen, I'm ready to get onto the promised land. I saw what God did. I'm ready to get onto the promised land. But God says, wait, 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 wait. Before you move on from the present, I want you to leave something behind for the future. Do you know what he was asking them or commanding them to leave behind? God says, I want you to leave a heritage of what I just did. I want you to leave a heritage. Why? Because those that are going to come behind you, those that are going to come and, and walk the path that you walk, they need to see something, all right? He didn't just say tell them in oral history. He says, I want you to stack up something real. I want you to have something tangible that your children can go back to and say, you know what? I see what God did for mom and dad, and you know what? If God did that for mom and dad, then I can trust God to do that for me too. That's what a heritage is. You know, every time I come up behind this pulpit, insufficiency doesn't describe it. But I see what God has done through other men, and I see what God did through folks that were just playing. Look, one of the last images I have of Brother C.R. Williams was coming on uh, Highway 98 East. He was driving a Cadillac, and hanging out the back of the Cadillac was a tiller. I mean, a tiller. That's the first time I've ever seen a tiller. Last time I've also ever seen one hanging out of the back of a Cadillac. And he was wearing this blue zip-up jumper. He was just an ordinary guy. I, I mean, now, now it, look, he had a fancy wheelbarrow for his, uh, for his tiller, but he's just a regular guy. But look what God did. Look what God did. Listen, God can use regular people for his glory when those regular people just trust God to do what only God can do. Now, folks, we look back and see what God did, and that encourages us to trust in what God wants to do. Now, watch this. We can't be selfish. We can't just live in the moment and say, man, isn't this great? No, we've got to make sure that we're leaving a stack of stones for those that are going to come behind us. Why? Because they're going to face Jordans too. You know, our children are going to face Jordans unlike any of us have ever faced. Matter of fact, we are facing Jordans right now in the United States of America, some tough places to cross, unlike any I have ever faced in my life. I can't imagine the Jordans they're going to have to cross in the future. What a blessing it would be. Instead of getting tunnel vision in our ambitions and desires in this life, that we took some time to leave behind a heritage for those that are going to come behind us. Folks, can I tell you something? Oftentimes you start talking about heritage, people just go to sleep. I haven't lost anybody yet, as best I can tell, but we probably will for the service is over. We start talking about a heritage and what God's done in the past, and we're like, oh, we're going to hear that again. Look, heritage is not just about a history lesson, all right? God's not saying, look, stack up some stones to mark this spot to remember something really neat happened here. It's not just about history. Do you know what heritage is really about? Heritage is about hope. So how do you figure that? Do you know when you're standing on the shores of a swollen river, it looks impossible. It's impossible. How are we going to get these two or three million people across this river and then all of a sudden God does what only God can do? He says, stack up these stones so one day when your children face a Jordan, they'll have hope. That's what heritage is all about. This morning, I believe God wants us to understand the importance of our heritage that we'll be sure we leave one behind for our children. Why? So that as they face these dark days, they will have hope. The thought this morning is simply this, the hope of our heritage. The hope of our heritage. Now, I believe God wants us to pause and be thankful for what we have. Thank God for what we have. I've told you time and time again, I was a 12-year-old kid sitting right back here in the back right area. A uh, 12-year-old kid coming to the youth rallies, watching the teenagers of Central Baptist Church sit there at the piano, play the piano and sing. I was like, wow, there's young people serving God. I didn't know there were any of those. 
I mean, the heritage of Central Baptist Church impacted a 12-year-old Jeremiah Andrews who would one day become pastor. That blows my mind how God does all of that. But folks, watch this. As we're thankful and rejoice at the heritage that we have, let's make sure we don't get tunnel vision and forget to leave a heritage for those coming behind us. Why? They're going to need more hope than we do. They're going to need more. Why? Because they're going to face more Jordan. So God's going to show us how the decisions we're making today are going to have a direct impact on those who come behind. And believe it or not, I'm going to show you three things today, all right? Three things. We're not going to have to look far to find exactly why a heritage is so important. I'm not talking about just any heritage. I'm talking about a godly heritage. Look down, if you will, chapter 4, verse number 6. The Bible says that this may be a what? A sign. God says, I want you to leave these stones. I want you to leave something behind for them. Look, he didn't say just leave an oral history. Just tell them, hey, I parted the Jordan and go on. No, 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 no. He says, I want you to leave behind something real, something tangible. And that something is going to be a stack of stones. And that stack of stones is going to be a sign. Now, this is important. Can I tell you this morning, those stack of stones that they left behind is going to do the exact same thing to the heritage that we leave behind. And it's going to be, number one, our heritage will stand as a sign. The heritage that we leave behind is going to stand as a sign for those that are coming behind us. Now, folks, understand this today. Signs do what? They give direction, right? I'm so thankful for signs. I don't always watch them. I don't always listen to them. But I'm thankful for signs. You know what? I've gone in the ladies' restroom before at Walmart. Frightening experience for all of us. All of us. Do you know what happened? I ignored the signs. I ignored the signs. Honestly, I was going to go to jail. I really did. You know, just go ahead and put my hands behind my back and send my law. I'm fixing to go to jail. Why? The world we're living in. Well, I guess the world we're living in today, it's okay. But, you know, used to, you couldn't do that. I didn't read the signs. What do signs do? They give you direction, right? Now watch. God says, God's recognizing in his omniscience that their children are going to need direction one day. And he says, you know what? We need to leave something behind for the children that will be assigned to them and the direction they need to go. And what they need to know is there's a God in heaven. He's still on the throne, and he'll do for them what he did for you. So God says, put a sign there. Put a sign there. Now, here's what's interesting. The reason our heritage gives us hope is because it gives us direction. It gives us direction. Do you know how many times in the last two years I've gone through the books in my library and read behind guys who went long before me? Do you know what I needed? I needed some hope. Lord, please show me somebody else went through a tough time like this. And you know what? In their experiences, I found their stacks of stones of how they went through difficult times and persecution. I read through Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, I found stacks of stones in Hebrews chapter 11. And it gave me direction. And by having direction, you have hope. Have you ever been, listen, uh, geographically lost before? All right? Amen. None of you men are going to raise your hand. I know you are. I will. I've been geographically lost before. And I'm just searching for some type of a sign on which way I need to go. And what a blessing it was. We were in Kentucky just a few months ago. Man, we, were, we, we thought we were going to have this great idea to drive the back roads of Kentucky all the way home, you know, all the way down, and just see the beautiful countryside. There's roads out there that aren't even gravel. They're just, they're just kind of cow paths down through the. No offense to Kentucky, folks, all right? It's a nice place. But it kind of got scary as the needle began to get over toward empty. And I'm thinking, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, I hate to, my wife to have to push the car. Somebody's got to steer. I'm the driver. So I would hate for her to have to push. And then all of a sudden, we see the sign, the blue interstate signs, and it's pointing. And man, all of a sudden, you know what? I had hope. Why? Because I saw a sign that gave me direction. Now, here's what God says. One day, your children are going to come behind you, and they're going to be geographically and spiritually lost. They're not going to know what to do and where to go, and you need to leave a sign here that shows them what they need to do when they don't know what to do. He says, hey, I want you to leave them a sign. Let me ask you a question. Going down the road from time to time, let's just let's start off serious, and then we'll get funny. Going down the road, say your wife is about to give birth. I remember that day my wife came to the job site where I was at, and she says, honey, I, I think I feel like the baby's coming. And I'm like, well, you know, how do you know? And she began telling me, I said, all right, you know, we'll, we'll head on to the hospital. We were in Columbia at the time. 
We got in the car, and all of a sudden, she kind of began to clutch her stomach. And, you know, it's just like TV. The only thing we didn't have was a station wagon. Other than that, it was just like on TV. We start coming up uh, 98. We're headed towards Hattiesburg. And then, boy, she really began to hurt. Uh, and we're just trucking up on down the highway. Here comes this uh, 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 Lamar County deputy pulled up beside us. I'm like, come on, man. Look, you know. All of a sudden, he looks over. He sees my wife. He gets in front of us, turns his lights on, and leads us all the way to Wesley, uh, where Miley would be born just a few hours later. Can you imagine if you were in the car, and you're in somewhere where you don't know where you're at, and you have a medical emergency, and you can't find a hospital, you don't know where a hospital is, and all of a sudden, show me the first picture real quick, guys. You see this picture. How would you feel? You'd feel hopeful, wouldn't you? You'd feel hopeful. Why? Because you saw a sign, and that sign's giving you direction. That's what God says. Look, they're going to come to a tough place in their life, not going to know what to do, and you've got to leave them a sign that's going to show them where they can get the help they need. So you're going down the road one night, and all of a sudden, man, that gas needle begins to go down. And you were taking a shortcut to show your wife how smart you are. And that shortcut, just a little bit longer than you thought it was. Gas needle's getting low, and man, you begin to worry, oh, this is trouble. Kind of running on empty. Not sure what we're going to do. And all of a sudden, in the distance, you see this wonderful glowing sign. Put it up there, guys. You see this sign in the distance, and all of a sudden, everything changes. <laughs> I think more about their barbecue sandwich than I do gasoline, but you see it, and you're like, oh, all of a sudden, you go from down in the dumps and crying the blues and sweating. You're just sweating down because your wife knows you're lost, and you're just trying to hope that something pops up quick, and you see the sign. And all of a sudden, you have hope. Why? Because the sign gave you direction, and now you have hope. Maybe you're going down the road one night. Man, you haven't eaten in 30 minutes. Stomach's growling. Man, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Just so hungry. Thinking you're going to shrivel up and blow away. And all of a sudden, in the distance, you see this sign. And you know everything is going to be all right. You go from being grumpy and grouchy, being unkind to your wife and kids, tell them just to be quiet and pipe down. Next thing you know, you're smiling. You're getting two dozen for your entire family. Why? You saw a sign, and that sign gave you hope. Can I tell you why our heritage is so important? Because the heritage we leave behind is going to be a sign for those that are coming behind us who need direction, and that direction is going to give them hope, Folks, can I tell you something? Look, we're going through a tough time right now in the United States of America and on this planet Earth, and what people need is hope. You get hope from finding direction, and you get direction by being obedient to the will and word of God, and when God shows up and shows himself strong, you say, you know what? If God did it for me, then God will do it for you. But folks, understand this. If we're not concerned about leaving a heritage, we're going to get tunnel vision. This is why Proverbs 22, listen close to what the Bible says, verse 28. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. That landmark oftentimes was a property boundary. Don't go moving them around. Don't go moving them. Why? Because they serve as a signpost. They let you know where your boundaries are at. Proverbs 23.10 goes into a little more depth. Listen. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. For the Redeemer is mighty, he shall plead their cause with thee. Listen to what it's saying there. Remove not the landmark. It says, listen, you need to have signs. You need to have boundaries. Why? He says, if you come in and you move those boundaries from the fields of the fatherless, notice who he's considering. Don't go move the boundaries. Why? Because he's fatherless. The father maintains the boundaries. The father gives the landmarks. The father sets up the signs. But all of a sudden, the father's gone now. And someone says, I can take advantage. I'm going to go move that boundary and give myself a few feet of extra land. You move it a foot every year. After a while, you've, you've gained acres of property. He says, don't you go messing with those. Why? Because that young man needs direction. The fatherless are going to need some direction one day. His dad's not there. And so he's got to have a boundary to know which way he's supposed to go and know what is his. Now, folks, that's why we've got to leave a heritage. Do you know that even if you live to 150 that one day you will leave this planet if the Lord doesn't come back. And our children have to find their way on their own. If you don't leave some boundaries for them to find their way, to find their inheritance, no wonder we're living in a hopeless society. Nobody's leaving signs or boundaries anymore. 
Number one, what is a heritage? Verse 6 says it's a sign. What does a sign do? It gives direction. Do you remember when David went to fight Goliath? David goes to fight Goliath, and look, I don't believe he knew exactly how it was going to go down. I believe he was going to trust God for whatever God wanted to do, but he just went down to face Goliath. And he's looking up there at that giant. Now, look, if you do the math, David's not going to bring down Goliath. It's not logical. It's not going to happen. David goes down there and looks up at Goliath. What did he refer to in order to have faith to face the giant? He says, you know what? There was one time I was out there in the field, and a lion came and took one of my dad's sheep. God delivered me out of the hand of the lion. Do you know what he had? He had a little stack of stones where he killed that lion. He said, I see what God did there. You know what? And then one day a bear came and tried to take one of his sheep as well. He said, you know what? God delivered me from the bear. He had another little stack of stones. And he said, you know what? I think you're just going to be another stack of stones. <laughs> I know what God did. God delivered me from the lion and the bear. And he's going to deliver me from you too. Look what it did. David was not afraid. David didn't go there. Please, Mr. Goliath, just tell, don't hurt us. Don't kill us. You know, Mr. Goliath, if you would, just take your guys and go back to your place. And we'll go back to our place. And we'll just call it even. Oh, no. He was hopeful. Why? He had direction. Why? Because in his past, he knew what God did. Now, folks, listen to me. This is why you better get some victory in your life. We're living in a victim country. We're all victims of something. And I'm not lightening that this morning. But sooner or later, you need to get a victory through the power of God so your children know when they face a Goliath how to get over it. We're teaching our children how to be victims. Listen, I'm not making light of problems. I know we're all victims of something. All of us are victims of sin. All right? Can we just admit that? We all go through troubles. We all go through trials. But listen, if you wallow in your grief and you sit there and become a victim in your life, that's all your children are going to know how to do. They need to know that I can do all things through Christ. I don't care what I'm going to face. It doesn't matter what I'm going to go through. I know my God is bigger. God could reach down this morning and literally pluck Ida out of the gulf. I'd love to see him do it. I'd love to see the weatherman try to figure that one out. There's no point. They don't have to be right anyway. I'd love to be, listen, I'd love to get paid and only have to be right half the time. Folks, God could do that. Our children are going to need a heritage, a godly heritage. But what we're going to have to do is leave behind some stacks of stones because of the victories of what God's done in our life. Jeremiah 6.16, it's a verse that's often laughed at and chuckled at in the world we're living in today, but it's true. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where's the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they say, we will not walk therein. We will not walk therein. He says, you better ask for the old paths. Why? They're proven. They're proven. Look, I, I don't, as far as I know, mom and dad, I don't think we ever had cows. Do we ever have cows? I don't think we did. But I've seen a lot of cow pastures, and you see those little trails? They're only about that big. You know, great big old cow, the path's only about that big. And you watch those cows every day. They go up to the water trough. They just follow that same little path, same little path. And here's what's amazing. Calves are born. And when it's time to go eat or time to get some water, those calves just follow mom and dad on that same old path. Why? Because it worked. It worked. Now, why would people in Jeremiah 6 say, we will not walk therein? I'm fixing to give you something that helped me, and I believe it will help you if you'll open up your heart to receive this. Why would people not want to walk in what works? I'm fixing to tell you why. Listen close. As you walk these old paths that are so ridiculed in the world we live in, even in ministry today, as you walk these old paths, Satan begins pointing out to you that there are imperfect people walking that path with you. You must be on the wrong path because look at this guy. He's a world-class jerk. And you're walking this path with this world-class jerk, and here's what we do. Watch this. Instead of distancing ourselves from the person, we abandon the path. The path worked. Look, don't blame the path. You can blame the person. Look, by the way, there's always going to be imperfect people on your path. Jesus had an imperfect one on his path. His name was Jesus. But thank God, Jesus didn't give up the path. Look, Judas betrayed him on that. Jesus could have said, look, I can't believe the will of the Father for my life. There is a traitor in my midst. Forget this. We'd all be on our way to hell this morning. Look, be careful throwing away the path. Be careful. Why? It worked. He says, ask for the old paths. I read this, and I'm going to hurry. Good night. Time is going by real fast, okay? 
I don't make it a point of reading after communists very often, but sometimes it bears mentioning. Karl Marx, the father of modern communism, said this, a people without a heritage are easily persuaded. Think about America. There's no joke, it's no joke that we're living in a time of revisionist history. Why? Because if they can do away with our heritage and trash our heritage, our godly, were they perfect? No. Man, we ought to dump all of that. Why? Because look at all the imperfect people, a part of our heritage. Yeah, let's just dump that. And all of a sudden, you know what? You wonder why people are being led toward communism. Because they've done away with our heritage. And we have sat idly by and watched it happen. Why? Because we've got tunnel vision. Folks, people who don't have a heritage are easily led. It's the same way in the church. If you let God, I mean, if you let the devil make you throw away God and everything all because somebody did something wrong, then you just fell into the trap of doing away with your heritage so that he could lead you off into some off-the-wall spiritual belief. Folks, listen, the path was, was still good. The people may not be. And you've got to understand, you've got to get some victories on your path to leave behind for those that come behind you. Why? Because our heritage will stand as a sign. Number two, look down, if you would, back to chapter four. Notice where they got these stones from. Notice where they got them from. Verse three. And command you them, saying, take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place to where the priest's feet stood firm. Now notice that. He could have said, look, walk along the shoreline, find you 12 rocks, and make you a memorial out of that. He didn't do that, did he? What did he say? He's very, very specific. He says, I want you to go to the midst of Jordan, in the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Now, why is he saying, look, there's not a word in this book that's not supposed to be in there. All right? This is God's word. Every jot, every tittle, he wanted in here. There's a reason it's in there. Why did he say, I want you to go back to the river and get rocks out of the river where the priest's feet stood? Why did he say that? Why did he say, this is very, very important. The second thing that you need to know about your heritage and what you leave behind, number two, your heritage will show where you stood. Your heritage is going to show where you stood. Now, this is not a random statement. He didn't say get shore rocks. He says get river rocks. Do you know there's a difference between shore rocks and river rocks? You know what the difference is? One comes from the shore and one comes from a river. <laughs> That's deep stuff, isn't it? No, this is important this morning. Where they come from tells a story of what they went through. Stick with me. Where those stones came from tells a great story of what they've been through. What did God want their children to know? You've got to get this. God wanted their children to know what he brought them through. Don't miss it. God wanted them to know, look, this isn't a stack of stones they collected on the shore. God says, these are stones that came out of the river. God says, your children need to know, I brought you through the river. And by having stones out of the river, it shows them, whoo, God brought them through that. And one day, your kids are going to be going through stuff, and they need to know, I'm going to bring them through it. And when they see those river rocks, they know, you know what, mom and dad didn't get them from the shore. Mom and dad got them out of the water that God brought them through. Give an example, we were in uh, Montana, we took the kids up to Glacier the day before we flew home to see the snow. Ironically, it snowed and they closed all the roads so that we could not see the snow. Go figure that one. And so while we were there, we thought, you know what, we might as well see the other sites of Glacier. Glacier's a beautiful, beautiful place, animals, rivers, waterfalls. And so we went to this one river, I think it was the Flathead River, if I'm not mistaken, but the Asia Flathead River, and uh, ice cold water. The water is basically hot snow, okay, if you can get that. It's just barely melted snow. So we go out there, and in the water was the most beautiful, beautiful rocks. I think I have a picture of that, too, this morning. Just beautiful water, beautiful rocks. And you can see us. We don't get out very much because we're just collecting rocks, literally. We, I don't know if that's illegal. I may have just incriminated all of us, Brother AJ. We just walked out of there. I mean, all of us are walking like a cowboy with just huge pockets of rock. They're just beautiful, beautiful rocks. But here's what was amazing. When I got out of the van to walk toward there, the van was on dry land. I saw this rock, and I picked it up, all right? Real pretty rock. It's got holes in it. It's got green rocks, red rocks in it. Just a beautiful, beautiful rock. This is a shore rock. Shore rock. But the closer and closer I got down to the water, I began to notice those river rocks were smooth. Really, really smooth. 
And the closer I got to the water, the more smooth the rocks got. And I found one in the middle of the, the water, on the side of the water. It's just almost a perfect, smooth circle. I had Brother Michael put these up here this morning. He said, what are those for? I says, I'm tired of dirty looks. I really am. So just pay attention. Stay awake, okay? There's a big difference between a shore rock and a river rock. Do you know what this rock says? Nothing. It's just ugly. <laughs> this rock says it's been in the water. It's smooth. It's been tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled down river. You can tell where it came from. God says this. Watch this. I want your children to know where you stood at. I want your children to know you stood out there in the middle of the water. And those river rocks, those river rocks are a testimony of what I brought you through. Now, folks, this is serious this morning. God wanted to show them what happens when you trust him. No matter what you face, no matter how big the river, it doesn't matter. God can bring you through. Isn't that on a, ble a blessing on a day where we're surrounded by a pandemic and we're facing a hurricane? Isn't that a blessing? What a fitting time. You're thinking to yourself, I'm out of here. We can't cross this river. The world's on fire. The world's blowing up, and then here comes a hurricane. I mean, next week there's going to be an earthquake, all right? I am Jeremiah. You know, I'm not the prophet, but I want to prophesy for you today, okay? There's probably going to be an earthquake, a pestilence of mosquitoes, and then here come the love bugs. I mean, just the cherry on top. No matter what we face, God can bring us through it, and he wants us to go through it, not over it, not around it. God wants us to go through it. Why? So that we get to the other side, we have a little pile of rocks, and one day we tell our children who are facing cancer or our children are facing the loss of a loved one, look, that's what God brought me through. If he brought me through that, he'll bring you through too. That's why you better have a godly heritage. You better have, look, you can leave money, you can leave prestige, you can leave a family name behind. I'll promise you that'll not help them get one foot over Jordan. But what will is a godly heritage. I've told you so many times about mine. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it this morning. So many times in my life, I reference back to Mama and Papa who left their home behind and it rotted to the ground so that they could go to Mexico. And yet God just brought them through. Papa's in his 80s, probably watching this morning, just dealt with COVID, still moving. God just brought him through. And then Mom and Dad uh, walked away from a lucrative construction career to trust God, to go to the end of the dirt road in Carson, Mississippi, and God just keeps bringing them through. June 17, 1995, when God called me to preach, and I was trying to decide, you know what, should I do this? Do I think God's going to come through for me? I looked back, and I saw stack after stack after stack of stones. I said, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. 26 years into this, he's never left me alone. You better have a godly heritage. Why? Your kids are going to come behind you, I'll promise you they'd throw every dollar bill in the river just for some hope from some direction that you left for them that they could trust God. You know very well my family just went through a really, really rough valley of COVID. Really, really rough valley with that. One of the darkest things I've ever gone through. Just really, if you haven't gone through it, I just, I just can't describe it for you. And yet through that, we got to the other side. I wanted my daughter to know, hey, God brought us through. God brought us through. It wasn't the medicine. It wasn't all the wonderful food you brought, even though it was greatly appreciated, even though I couldn't taste it. It was God that brought us through. I know one day Miley's going to face a valley. She's going to face a Jordan. God forbid mom and dad aren't going to be there. What do I do? I can't swim. She can't swim, okay? Don't pick on her. I can't swim across this. I can't jump across this. Should I just quit on God? And all of a sudden, as she gets ready to quit, she turns around. Man, I remember 2021, Mom and Dad, we went through COVID. Well, that was a dark time. It may not be as big as some of the trials you went through, but it was big to me. And she goes and she finds a little stack of stones. She says, you know what? God brought them through that, and that was pretty rough. And God brought Nanny and Pop through, and God brought Mama and Papa through. You know what? If he brought them through all of that, you know what? I bet he's going to get me through this, and they keep moving forward in the will of God for their life. Number two, your heritage is going to show where you stood. Can I tell you this this morning? Shoreline Christians will not leave much in way of a godly heritage. Shoreline Christians are not going to leave much by way of a godly heritage. You say, what do you mean by that? I hate to say it, but the odds are there. 
many of you will probably not leave much of a godly heritage because you weren't willing to go through some things with God. I'm going to say it again. I don't think you got it. Many of us will not leave behind the godly heritage we could because we came to the shores of a Jordan and we chose not to go through it with God. You say, you know what? I don't have that much faith. And you bail out on God. And that's why your children will have no stack of stones to look to when it's their turn to cross their Jordan. You remember in Luke 5 when Jesus is walking there on the shoreline? The Bible says a bunch of people had gathered. There were a couple of little boats there. And he hopped in one of the boats. He says, thrust out a little bit, the shallows. And he taught the people. He taught the people. But when the Bible says this, I love the word is, the Bible says when he left speaking, when the time for talk was over, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Can I tell you what I've learned from the Lord in my walk with him since I've been saved? He does his teaching in the shallows. He does his training in the deep. And many of us will never be what we could be because we didn't have enough faith to leave the shallows. I can't cross that. Of course you can't. That's why you got to trust God to do it. I love the fact. Look, I just got to be honest. I have a flesh, flesh body and a flesh mind. And if I was God, I'd be sitting back there and say, wait till you get waist deep. That's what I would have told him. You know what? Wait out there, and as soon as it touches your belly button, you know, that's just that cold spot. As soon as it touches your belly button, then I'm going to show up. No, all they had to go out there and just get, get their feet wet a little. And God says, I'll take care of the rest. And as soon as they had enough faith to get their feet wet, God parted the Jordan. And they saw what God would do if you just trusted them. Number one this morning, our heritage is going to be a sign. Verse 6 says it. Verse 3 tells us that our heritage is going to show our children where we stood. Do you know what? One day our kids need to come behind us and find that mom and dad stood where they were supposed to when times got tough. COVID's thinning them out quick. We're finding out whether or not we got enough spiritual stamina to stay where God says stay, even though times are tough. One day your kids are going to need that. Why? Because they need to see where they're supposed to stand. And finally, look down, if you will, back to chapter 4, verse 5. The last point here in verse number 5 is going to show us really whether or not we're going to be able to do the first two. Verse 5 says, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone. Look at the next three words. Watch this. The Bible says, Upon his shoulder. Upon his shoulder. Now, that one verse is giving us a perspective of the size of these stones. All right? Now, look. When I brought, uh, when I brought this rock out of the, out of the uh, water, I didn't go, oh, oh. But Michael did. I didn't. Okay? I didn't. Oh. No, I didn't do that. I stuck it in my pocket with all the other rocks. I'm not kidding. The side panel of our church van was full of rocks. I just knew we were going to get pulled over. There's going to be a fine for every rock in there. You don't carry a rock... It's small on your shoulder. This is a pocket rock. Just stick it in your pocket, okay? It, it's not that heavy. But the ones that you're carrying on your shoulders give us an idea of how big they are. Now, watch this. I did a little reading, found out rocks in that area. I did some reading behind smarter guys than I am, and they said these rocks were most likely 75 pounds. Well, it's about how, how the size of something you're going to put on your shoulder. Now, here's what's amazing. Leaving behind a heritage that points to God is not something you're going to be able to take lightly. Watch this. Number three, the third thing you need to understand about leaving a godly heritage, your heritage will surely require strength. Your heritage will surely require strength. The task of leaving behind a godly heritage, I want to, I want to describe it for you. Is it wonderful? Yes. How wonderful to leave behind a godly heritage for our kids. Mine has been such a blessing to me. I hope I leave one behind for my daughter. As wonderful as it is, can I tell you what it really is when you boil it down? It's nothing less than a burden we're called to bear. Leaving behind a godly heritage for your children and your grandchildren ought to be a burden that you carry. It shouldn't be a pocket rock. It shouldn't be a pocket rock. Something that you don't even realize is there. You know what? I'm all the time carrying things around in my pockets, cough drops, keys, a wallet, cell phones. I'm all the time carrying things in my pocket. And I would, look, I'd forget that was even in there. Why? Because it's not that heavy of a burden. 
But oh, if I had one of those river rocks that weighed about 75 pounds and it's up on my shoulder, that'd be something that's hard to forget. But unfortunately, the reason we're not going to leave a heritage behind for our children to just flat be honest with you this morning, it's too much of a burden for us to bear. It's too much of a burden to trust God. It's too much of a burden to be patient and to have faith. It's too much of a burden to do just what thus saith the Lord, even when it's tough. So we're just not going to do it. Too much of a burden. I, I look, I'm not that serious about leaving a heritage behind. It, it reminds me, years ago at my first church, uh, we were trying to get a choir going, you know, and all that. And uh, that wasn't, a, yeah, I think it was a choir. Choir of the bus. And I said, look, I look I'm excited you guys want to be a part of this ministry. I'm going to plug you guys in this ministry. I said, but look, here's one thing we got to work on. I said, we got to work on showing up to church. Call me weird. I just think that's an important one. You know, if you're going to work in a ministry, the Bible says that a steward must be found faithful. If you're going to be over something, look, you bear a heavier burden than just an average church member. That's just a fact. I had a couple of people thought, well, you know, that ain't for me. Now, look, all I was asking them to do was what they're supposed to be doing to begin with, coming to church. But they said, if I have to come faithfully, forget it. I don't want to be a part of it. You know what it is? They wanted to be a non-burden believer. They wanted to serve God and have faith as long as it didn't cost them anything. Look, if you're not willing to bear the burden of leaving behind a heritage, your children will be without hope and without direction in a time they desperately need it. you got to be willing this morning to bear the burden of whatever it takes to do the will of God in your life. I think about our military members. Right now, we're in Afghanistan. One of our own over there right now. Thank God he's okay. Right now, over there, fighting for us. Protecting our country, protecting the people that are trying to get home, trying to bring Americans home. Do you know what they're doing? They're bearing a burden for somebody else. They could easily be sitting home with their families, relaxing, but no, they say, look, I'm willing to bear the burden to secure something for somebody else. Here's our problem. We don't have enough guts to do that, spiritually. I read uh, just last night on the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, Calvin Coolidge said this. If we are to maintain the great heritage which has been bequeathed to us, we must be like-minded as the fathers who created it. We must not sink into a pagan materialism. We must cultivate the reverence which they had for the things that are holy. This is an American president saying, if we're going to leave behind the same heritage that we received, we're going to have to bear the burden of it. We can't sink into materialism. We've got to be willing to seek out things that are holy. And can I tell you, living holy is a 75-pound river rock. It's heavy. It'd be just easier to say, forget this. I'm going to go and be with everybody else. But no, what? We want to leave a heritage. And the only way we're going to leave a heritage this morning is having enough strength to bear the burden to do what God's called us to do. I've got to hurry. Or the FEMA's going to get me. All right, CDC is going to get me. FEMA's going to get me. I'm just going to jail. I just need to go ahead and resolve to that. Philippians chapter 1, turn there and I'll be done. Philippians chapter 1. Look over the outline and the Lord says, I can skip some stuff, okay? Your prayers have been heard. Philippians chapter 1. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. Look down at verse 12, but don't start there yet. Can I give you some context? The apostle Paul is writing this from prison. He's writing this from prison. You know, going to prison for the cause of Christ, that's a burden to bear, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people won't go to church for the cause of Christ. They're surely not going to prison for the cause of Christ. That's a fact. The Apostle Paul is sitting in prison for the cause of Christ, and he writes this letter. He's bearing the burden. But I, should but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Paul says, I understand what I'm going through. It's part of the burden that I bear. So that my bonds... Another word for burden. In Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What is Paul saying? Paul says, I'm bearing this burden for the cause of Christ. I'm carrying it. And buddy, it's tough. I'm in prison. I'm in bonds. I'm afflicted. I'm carrying the burden. But it doesn't sound like he's mad about it. He says, you know Why? He says, because I can see those that are coming behind me are seeing my stack of stones, and they're getting strong too. They're like, you know what? If Paul can do it, then I can do it too. And one by one by one, what did it say? Many brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. You know why you ought to bear a burden of faith in God and the will of God? You know why you ought to carry that burden? 
Because the kids that are coming behind us need to know it's not a pipe dream the preacher talks about all the time. They need to know some people have done it. Some people have done it. They've gone on to be used of God regardless of the weight of the burden. But here's the problem. We're living in a world where that burden gets so heavy and so unpopular. And the burden of the will of God is so unattractive that we begin buying into the idea of the world's mindset and we drop the ball. See, you know what? I'm not going to carry it anymore. And for a momentary time, a season of our life, the burden's lighter. That is so nice not having to do that anymore. That is so nice not having to live by that anymore. Everybody likes you now. And yet you're leaving nothing behind for those who are going to be needing some hope and those that need direction. A girl went to her mom one day and says, Mom, do you remember that vase in the china cabinet? Mom says, which one? She says, the one that you told us about all the time that's been handed down from generation to generation to generation. She says, yeah, I remember that. The little girl looked up at her mom just as innocently as possible. She says, well, this generation dropped it. This generation dropped it. We have something far more valuable than a vase. We have our Christian heritage. We have our church heritage. Some of us even have family heritage. And it's been passed from generation to generation to generation. But I fear many of us are on the verge of dropping the vase. We're going to be the ones who drop the ball. Why? Because the river's wide and the river's deep. Hurricanes, pandemics, social unrest, rumors of wars. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's just too heavy. But the moment that you're tempted to let go, and to drop it, I want you to go look into the eyes of your children. Because they need to know that there's nothing we are going to face, nothing they're going to face, that they can't get through with God. Some of us this morning, listen, you need to go get you some river rocks. You need to go through something with God. A lot of us, we get about a quarter of the way out. Ooh, the water's cold. Ooh. And we quit on God. And we're going to have nothing for our kids. Hey, go get you something. Go through something with God that you can leave something behind for your child that when they're facing the knock on the door like the Afghanistan children this morning to renounce the name of Christ or die, they got something they can clutch. Okay. Okay. I don't want to die. But God, if you could get Paul through it, you can get mom and dad through it, and you can get it, me through it too. And suddenly your heritage gives them hope. Folks, this morning, there's no hope outside of God. No hope outside of God. But you could give your child hope through God if you just go through some things with him. Why? Number one, a heritage will stand as a sign. Can I ask you this morning, your heritage already, where is it pointing your children? through Jordan or away from Jordan. You have a heritage already. But your heritage right now, does it show your kids, hey, we're going to go through this by the grace of God? Does your heritage show that you're standing in a place that you want to be found when the Lord comes back? And does your heritage show that you had some strength this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stop there.